phrases of worship and praise in the Bible. So much so, oftentimes they did it, the glory of God fell. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, how have you got your Bibles this morning? If you will, turn to Romans chapter 3. I have a, something that will share one particular aspect this morning, and I believe, the Lord willing, we'll carry it into tonight. So I want to tell you about it ahead of time because I think you need to get both to get the full load. I want to talk about faith in the blood. Hallelujah. Faith in the blood of Jesus. But we'll read today Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 21. And then we'll read through verse 26. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, or they agree with it, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. Everybody say, by His blood through faith. <clears throat> to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. That's the old covenant. To demonstrate at this present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Christ. Amen, amen, amen. So notice that phrase, faith in the blood. Some translations may change it up a little bit, so we'll just kind of use that as our title. But also notice, this is kind of what we'll get into tonight and today. Also notice there's some terms that are used in these, uh, this passage that are sometimes unfamiliar to us. Maybe even, even if they're unfamiliar, sometimes they're misunderstood. For example, the word was used propitiation, the word redemption, and the word righteousness. And uh, all these are important. They're, you know, those words are so powerful and so important to your faith, but if we don't understand them, how you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? Or if we misunderstand them, it may hinder our faith. So we want to make sure that we take some time today to explain what we mean when we say redemption, to, say what, to explain what we mean. What does righteousness mean? Well, just basically, how many of you know, well, I, I, use this, I use this illustration. I was listening to a, a Scottish pastor who's been living here in the States for a long time, and uh, they're wonderful people. We had a Scottish family. Actually, he was from Scotland uh, when we were in France and just really fell in love with him, and he was, uh, so I love to hear his accent. And so I was listening to him, and he was talking, using an illustration about how we have to, you know, we need to understand our terms as a Christian. Uh, uh, he, he used the illustration of sports. He said when he first came here, a guy invited him, I believe, to a, maybe a Yankees ball game. I'm not sure which one it was, a baseball game. Well, he had never been to a baseball game in his life. And so he spent the whole time asking what does that mean? What does that mean? What's that phrase? And so he actually went through, you know, what does it mean to bunt? What does it mean for a fly ball? What does it mean, you know, steal home? He said, why would you want to steal the base? Why would you want to steal home? You know, he, couldn't, he, was, he just couldn't connect those terms. But the more he watched it, he began to get on. And then, you know, today he's a lover of baseball. But it took him a little while to get over the terms. But him being uh, Scottish from the U.K., he said, uh, he said, you think that's bad? Uh, try to understand terms of cricket. How I many of you know what cricket is? Yeah. Kind of looks like baseball, but that's about it. Yeah. And so he started, <laughs> he started listing off some names. Man, it didn't mean nothing to me. So I wrote down a few. I'll just, you can go look this up. It's, it's just no kidding. A beamer, a dorsa, a yorker, a badger, a grubler, or a yips. <laughs> Did anybody get, anybody get any of that? A beamer is an illegal pitch. A dorsa is a kind of a pitch. A yorker is like a slider. A badger is an enthusiastic cricketer. <laughs> I'm going to say the best for last. I didn't even mention. You won't believe this. true. A grubler is a pitch that barely bounces. And yips is a psychological condition when, when a pitcher or a bowler loses his confidence. He's got the yips. Don't get the yips. 
Now, you, know, you won't believe this, but this is true. Go look it up. Boot Hill is an expression in cricket. Are you ready for this? It's the least like in the most dangerous fielding position on the cricket field. Because you might die with your boots on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you think I'm kidding. You go look it up. Boot Hill is a name in cricket. Thought y'all like that. <laughs> uh, but the point of all that is that sometimes there's phrases we don't understand. But once you're around it, once you get into it, then that begins, it really becomes more than just part of it. It is it. And these phrases, well, let's take, for example, righteousness. Well, that's been, you know, we had a lot of help misunderstanding that. I would say today, even in most churches, if you were to raise your hand, now you may need to explain it, and I get that. If you'd say, is anyone righteous here today? No one would raise their hand. Basically because one scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. I'll get into this more tonight. But there's more than one scripture on righteousness. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to the righteous. If there's no righteous, he's not hearing anybody or seeing anybody. Can you see how we've had a lot of help misunderstanding? I remember a line in uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. Somebody said, what are you going to do now? He said, man, I'm going to make myself righteous. Well, no, you're not. He certainly didn't mean he was going to get saved. <laughs> that wasn't on that guy's mind at all. But yet, we know what righteousness is important to salvation. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's a very important part of being a Christian to understand that term. Well, what about redemption? Well, that's a term I, I, I can only remember one time. It means to buy. Uh, one time growing up where I heard that word used, and this will date you, my mother collected S&H green stamps, and we went to the Redemption Center. Anybody ever go to the Redemption Center? Just <laughs> big letters. S&H, Redemption Center. Well, you know what those green stamps were. You went to the grocery store. They gave you, you, had, you know, did your mom and dad make you lick those things? I finally figured out to get sponges, you know, and wet them so you wouldn't have to get that all over you. So then you'd go in there, there's this stack of books this big and maybe buy a lamp. Well, I, went, I remember as a kid went in there, and that's the first time I'd been in there, and I saw something, and I went to the lady, and I said, how much does this cost? And she said, it doesn't, you can't buy it here. I'd never been to a store. You have to have stamps to buy it. There's something money could not buy. You need to understand redemption. We're redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious... Blood of Christ. Woo! So tonight I'll probably talk a little bit more about, and it all connects to the blood of Jesus. Uh, we're redeemed by the blood. We're made righteous by the blood. But uh, <clears throat> I want to talk this morning about this one word that I never hear, hardly, among, you know, in modern usage today, and that is this word, propitiation. It's found in Romans 3. I'm reading from the New King James or the King James. Other translations have that too. Some other translations change that word. You really shouldn't change that word. You just should find out what that word means because you could actually water it down and have it mean something that it really doesn't mean or at least just partially. So everybody say the word propitiation. propitiation. The word propitiation. Let me read the Phillips translation because I think this is important. <clears throat> Philip's translation says, God has appointed him, that's Jesus, as the means of propitiation. A propitiation that is accomplished by the shedding of his blood to be received and made effective in ourselves by faith. So if you know what this means, faith comes. And when faith comes, it gets active. Amen. Amen. And tonight we're going to talk more about how to activate your faith in the blood of Jesus. But I want to go over this word because it's just not a word that we use yet. The more I look at it, the more I realize we need to understand this. If we don't, we will cheapen our salvation. This word is very important. If you use this word propitiate between two people, between humans, this is what it means. Although we're going to translate this into what it means with God, it is a little bit different. But 
Some of those ideas are the same. Between two people, it may mean to placate or pacify or appease because of an injury that requires vengeance or restitution or may require compensation and payment to bring about satisfaction. So in other words, let's say, uh, I'll give you an example. My wife and I for the last three, three years about, we had probably said, you're probably right. <clears throat> so he said, we'll order one in case, but if we don't, we'll take it back. So I said, good. So the guy came and laid the flooring. He got down and he said, I don't have enough wood. And so, well, you know, maybe we just miscalculated, forgot about it. And he went in and finished the floor. Well, my wife got to thinking about it. it just, I mean, she, when she, she if, if there's a penny missing in our account, she's going to find that penny. So that just bothered her. Nothing wrong with it. She's just good about that. So she started looking at the floor and he messed up the pattern. Halfway through, he changed it. So, you know, what are we going to do? So we called the owner. He came over. And this is what he said. He said, look, it's wrong. So I will do whatever. You, what was he trying to do? He was trying to placate us. It was his, his position was, you know, we were the one that was wronged in that sense. What can we do to make it right? So, you know, we talked about it. We came out with a satisfaction thing. So we were both satisfied. So another word for... Uh, propitiation is to be satisfied. But the literal word means to propitiate. In other words, some, you know, there has to be some compensation. In the heathen world, now I'm not going to use this, but nevertheless, this is used quite often, and you've probably heard it. In heathen world, people will think they have to appease the gods. Have you heard that? Meaning a bribe, basically. But you cannot do that with God. It's impossible. There's nothing you could have done anyway, but that's not the point. In redemption or in salvation, God himself is the propitiation. All right, now I want to see, we're going to look at several verses. Go with, let's, let's look at our main text in Romans 3.25. Let's look at it carefully. I'm going to read about four or five verses that have this word propitiation in it. And I think the more we go, the more it will widen and deepen and get down into your spirit where you'll have a clear understanding of what it means. Now notice what we read here in, in Romans 3.25. Let's read it one more time. Whom God, who set forth? Whom God set forth. This is something God did. Everybody say God did. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. So God did something. The word set forth there means to make a public display. Do you know the cross was a public display of God setting forth the, the, the uh, satisfaction so that you can be saved? Without it, there was not any. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Right? <clears throat> but that public display was actually God putting forth His Son Jesus and Jesus agreeing to become the propitiation. It was that God was showing it. So the point is, this is something coming from God, not us coming to Him. It's something coming from Him. And it was necessary. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 2. Like I say, this is not a word that we use very often. And maybe perhaps you might want to use the word satisfied. <coughs> Hallelujah. But it's still... True to use the word as it best translated. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Here we find it again. <clears throat> Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, watch this. <clears throat> in things pertaining to God. To make what? Propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. propitiation. Is that in there? Right. Make sure it's in there. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. Notice that it says, though, this is Jesus is doing this in things pertaining to God. Here's, this, here's the difference. Redemption and righteousness, that's more our side. That's more the way we see, the more we... But propitiation is from God's side. He had to be satisfied. If we want to use that word, there was a it was necessary for a propitiation to be made. Amen. Right? You remember uh, when the uh, children of Israel were 
given the instructions from Moses by the Lord to observe the first Passover. We'll look at it again tonight, just briefly. <clears throat> you remember, you know, they were to take a lamb. They were to take the blood, and what did they do with the blood? They put it over their doorpost, didn't they? Now, do you understand that's all a picture of Jesus? Christ is our Passover. Sacrifice for us. So they, that's what they were told to do. Then they went inside and they were told, don't come out. Go inside. During the night, they were to partake of the lamb. And that was the Passover meal, which the Jews still keep that to this day. Although it's changed to a degree. And, you know, I mean, you know, Jesus has already come fulfilled it all. But listen to this. God said when they did that, when I see the blood... Let that sink in. Not when you see it, because you're inside. You put it up there, but you're inside. You're not looking at that. You're inside. But when I, this is a view from God's point. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. When I see the blood, I'll become your protection. When I see the blood, judgment will be averted. Now, if you didn't have the blood over your doorpost, it would, judgment would come. Wrath would come. You know, there's something about propitiation that turns away the wrath of God. Now, if you, re if you listen to some people today, you'd almost think God doesn't have any wrath. Well, not for you as a believer. Aren't you glad? We're saved. There's no more wrath for us. But there still is a wrath of God. Yes. Now, why is that? Well, it's kind of hard for us to understand. Uh, Isaiah called it God's strange work. When man sinned, it brought something up in God. He's a holy God. And, and God and His holiness and sin don't mix and never will. Let me say that one more time. God's holy and God's holiness and sin doesn't mix and never will. So God Himself had to do something about it and that, that solution is called propitiation. And so it said, he's told the children of Israel, when I see the blood, well, when you see the blood the way he sees the blood, oh my, then what you begin to say is mercy. See, you're not only just saved by grace, you're saved by mercy. Do you understand? They're, they're the same, but they're different. In other words, grace, and how many of you are glad for grace? Hallelujah. You love that song, Amazing Grace? By grace are you saved through faith. <clears throat> grace is God giving you something you did not deserve. Blessings. And we all enjoy the grace of God. But mercy is God not giving you something that you did deserve. <sighs> Somebody say, thank God for his mercy. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm as thankful for his mercy as I am for his grace. This prodigal is glad for his mercy, his restoring mercy. Amen. So that's, that we're getting into what propitiation means. It's, it's the issue from God's point of view. Go to 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2. There's, it's in here more times than you realize. We're going to actually see five different verses where this word propitiation is used in the New Testament. But in 1 John chapter 2, <coughs> let's read verse 1 and 2 together. My little children, aren't you glad you're his kids? Ooh. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's first, right? But if anyone sins, we have... An advocate with the Father. Oh, praise God. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is what? The propitiation for our sins. And not ours only, but for the whole world. Jesus himself is our propitiation. Now it mentions here about it's connected with him being our advocate. You know, some, an advocate is a lawyer, right? right? Some people may have a hard time reading scriptures about a lawyer because you've had a bad experience <laughs> with a lawyer. But you needed this lawyer. You and I need this advocate. And he's not going to cheat you anyway. 
I, I heard uh, one, one uh, you ever heard lawyer jokes? I just got one. I just got one. This lawyer had, <clears throat> the guy asked him, says, what is your fee? My fee is $100 for three questions. Then the guy says, well, that's kind of high. Then the lawyer said, that's two questions. What's your third one? Y'all will get that when you get home. <laughs> All joking aside, we have an advocate. A legal got his mind renewed, started growing spiritually. Well, <clears throat> he, he just would, you know, just serve God everywhere he could, especially help people with, that were on drugs or something like that. He's entered into Narcotics Anonymous and began to help people and have form little groups. Well, after we had been there a couple of years, he, he called me one day and said, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to, I've been called to the governor's office. It, it's a possibility for a pardon. I said, that's great. So we prayed and agreed. Guess what? He got a full pardon from the governor. Now, what does that mean? That means, you know what? Today, he went back to school. He is a drug counselor. Hallelujah. He can go anywhere where before he couldn't go. But the reason he can go there now is because he has a full pardon. Hallelujah. And he can go help those who need help. Amen. Thank God. Thank God for his mercy. Propitiation is associated with the mercy of God. See, the Bible says he has wrath, but the Bible says in wrath remember mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, he has to be satisfied but because he's holy, but that's not the last word. He came up with a plan so that he could propitiate himself for us. And it's in the blood. Everybody say, Jesus is my propitiation. Now go with me to 1 John chapter 2. Woo. <clears throat> I mean, 1 John 4, excuse me. We're already there. 1 John 4, please. Just a couple more. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so Jesus took the wrath of God for us. Did you hear that? He took, that's what was going on. We'll see it in a little bit. We'll read it very clear in the Bible. He was taking upon him the punishment or the wrath of God that you and I deserved. 1 John chapter 4. Let's start with verse 7. We're going to read into this because it's, it's talking about love, but we need to look at it in, in the light of uh, all these verses. Verse 7 of 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Now here's the thing. We, uh, we see all the attributes of God. How many of you know He is loved? It says it right there. Let's, let me keep reading. And everyone that loves God is born of God and knows God. He that does not uh, love does not know God. What does that say? For God is love. Everybody say God is love. But that's not all He is. He's also just. He's also holy. He's also good. He's also wise. We pick one of those out, and maybe one wins in a way over, but he's all those things at once. He can't change his holy nature. He can't love you and do so without being holy. He couldn't just love us into salvation. He couldn't do that because he is a holy God. So he came up with a propitiation. His own son. Let's keep reading. Amen? Amen? Let's keep reading. Verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Aren't you glad He sent His only begotten Son? And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be what? The propitiation for our sins. There's that word again. How many of you see that it's in there more than maybe you thought? So he sent his son, not that we loved him, but he loved us and, he loved us and sent his son to both. He didn't say he just loved us. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. In other words, there's a connection here. In other words, if he really wanted to love us, he had to do something so he could show us his love. And there's something that had to happen first. It's called this word propitiation. 
Uh, how many of you ever heard of uh, Josh McDowell? Ever heard of Josh McDowell? You know, he's been around a long time. He's got a, got a great little book called More Than a, More Than a Carpenter. We put that in our gas basket, you know, for, you know, because it's got a great salvation message and people are really looking for the Lord. And he's got a great testimony. <clears throat> but uh, he gave, I was listening to him. He's talking about, the, the, it was like a seven-minute YouTube video caught my attention. Why did Christ have to die? And he got into this word, propitiation. And he said how important it was for Christians to understand what this word means. That if we don't understand this part, that this propitiation, and you mentioned it, propitiation is more towards God. Redemption is more for us. But if we didn't understand that part, we would always cheapen sin. We would always have a, a, a shallow view. And it would affect your decisions and everything else you do. This is, he, he just, this is important. So he gave this illustration. He said, let me illustrate. He said, I like to use the word satisfied. So he said there was a, he was reading, I guess, in the newspaper, Los Angeles Times, and it was reported, this incident, there's a town just north of L.A., which, you know, we all have these little towns where if you go through, the speed limit drops drastically, and they watch it like a hawk. And this was one of those places I, there's some places in Kansas like that. I know by experience. <laughs> but we won't go there today. Thank God for mercy. <laughs> so anyway, this girl was going through there. And what they do, instead of you giving you a ticket, you go right then to a, to a traffic court. I mean, it's 24-7. You can't just drive home. You get caught. Follow me. So you get in your car and you go to the traffic court. So this you know, girl is 18 years old. She was going a little bit too fast. They pulled her over. Come on with us to the traffic court. There she is in the traffic court. There's the judge up there. The judge says, you know, what do you plead? Guilty. He slammed his gavel down and said, $100 or one day in jail. So that was the fine. But then he did something that no one had ever seen a judge do. He took off his robe, folded it, and put it over the chair. Came down, stood next to the young girl, pulled out his wallet, and gave her $100. It was his daughter. <laughs> True story. But get the picture. If he had just said, oh, we're not going to charge her. She's just my kid. Just let it go. Everybody else in the courtroom would have screamed. How many know that's not justice? That's not righteousness. So what he did, he folded his robes, left down from his high place, and came down and paid the price. That's propitiation. Jesus left heaven, folded his robes, came down and stood beside us and said, I will pay it. Amen. And that is satisfied. Listen, God is satisfied with that. Listen, God was satisfied with that. If he's satisfied, you ought to be satisfied. <laughs> Are you satisfied? One other place, very interesting. Hebrews 9. There may be a few more, but these are the primary places where the word propitiation is used. However, in this one, the translation changed, and there's a reason why. But it does communicate what propitiation means in a great way. In uh, Hebrews chapter 9, I want to read the first five verses, and I'm going to read them, and then I'll tell you which word is the word propitiation, even though it's changed. It's okay, though. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine services. He's talking about the old covenant and earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which was called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, you know, you know the veil, the holy place, that's what he's talking about here. The, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holies of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, Y'all that watched Indiana Jones. The Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and 
the tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, the propitiation. Same word. The propitiation. It's the mercy seat. Hallelujah. God told Moses, I'll meet with you over the mercy seat. That's the meeting place. You know, in that place, you know, the, you know what happened. You know, the high priest went in once a year, sprinkled blood on the whole. He had to do it very carefully. I mean, tradition says they sometimes work out right, and he fell dead. They could pull him out because you didn't go in there. He was the only one. And he, he, went, in, he, he went in as a representative. He had the, the, those, that breastplate with the 12 tribes of Israel on him. It wasn't just him. It was Israel. Well, Jesus went into the heavenly holies of holies. We'll talk about that more tonight. Hallelujah. With his blood. But those cherubims looked over that, and if they didn't see the blood, they looked straight down at the law. But what happened when the blood was there, they saw the blood. Woo. Now their sins were just covered. Ours have been washed. Because <laughs> what Jesus did, he did one time, enough for all time. He don't have to go once a year. He's already done it. But you need to see that mercy seat. That place where the blood was put is the propitiation. God could look at that and become satisfied. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus endured a lot to get to that place. He died as a lamb and rose as a high priest, but he went through all the suffering, all the punishment. Hard for us to grasp, but everything that was needful. He endured that to become our propitiation so God's holiness could be satisfied so he could love you. And it's the only way he can. But thank God. Hallelujah. I'm be glad for the blood. Woo, hallelujah. Go with me to Isaiah 53. We'll finish with this. Isaiah 53. But we're not in a hurry. We just want to... I want you to get this part. That the blood of Jesus represents this propitiation. It, it's more than just a price that was paid. It was God himself doing something to be satisfied. You see that? Not just you. Now, if he's satisfied, you ought to be satisfied. Is that correct? But let's, let's look at this. Isaiah 53. We're going to read the whole thing. It's just a few verses here. How many of you love Isaiah 53? I mean, you ought to read this periodically and just stop. Maybe even read it on your knees. Or at least read it with your hands lifted up. Oh, thank God for Isaiah 53. The redemptive chapter, we call it. But we're looking for how God, how Jesus became our propitiation. There was something he endured, something he suffered so that we could. That's propitiation. Verse 1, who has believed our report? Well, we ought to stop right there. How many know oftentimes there's two reports? Which one are you going to believe? Oftentimes there's a world report. There was a report of the senses, or maybe a report of the doctor, maybe a report of other things. But thank God there's a higher report. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up, talking about Jesus, before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now notice carefully. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. And we did esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs should be sickness. Every other place this word is used in the New Testament, it's translated sickness. Surely he has borne. Surely he has borne. Our sickness. Well, if it's ours, it's yours, if you believe it. Are you included or are you excluded? So you can say it like this. Surely he bore my sickness. Surely he carried my pain should be pains. How do you know that that's talking about sickness and disease? Well, Isaiah 8, 17 says that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Yeah. 
saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So this is what he's talking about. So praise God. You're healed because of propitiation. He became a curse for you. Woo. Now, now I want you to notice this. Yet we esteemed him. Look at this carefully. We just skip over this. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now this is Isaiah seeing in a vision. And actually, he saw clearer in a vision what was happening, clearer than if you were sitting there watching Jesus be crucified. He actually saw what was going on in the spirit. And he said this, as he was looking, he was puzzled. He looked at this, this person that's going through this. Maybe he didn't even really realize who he was speaking about. We know he was talking about Jesus, right? Jesus on the cross. But he said, as I looked at that, I said, wow, we... He must have really done something bad. He must have been really some. You know, the cross was a means of executing criminals. Is that true? And so he's kind of puzzled. He's looking at this and said, I don't understand this. You know, if he's somebody special, why is he going through this? This, this thing is he's being treated so bad. He must have done something bad himself. But that's not the case. Was he esteemed? Was he stricken, smitten of God and afflicted? Yes. yes. But look at verse 5. Yes. But <laughs> he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our. Not for himself, but for us. He's our propitiation. Look at this one. The chastisement... You could put there, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, if you don't get an older one and you know that you can write in and, and put yours in a frame or something. <laughs> the chast it's okay to write in your Bibles. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> punishment. Chastisement is punishment. The punishment for our peace. I love the Amplified. The punishment needful to obtain our peace and well-being. Yeah. The punishment that was needful to obtain your peace, to obtain your well-being, your security, your well-being, your health, your eternal life. The punishment needful for you to get that fell on him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Woo, hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Is that true? Do you believe that? That Jesus was taking your place? He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment. Who shall declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. How many of you know that was fulfilled completely when he was buried in a rich man's tomb? Because he had done no violence, nor there was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Just let that sink in. Who, who's the one that's doing this? It's God pouring out his wrath on his own son, but his son said yes. Now what's the purpose of that? It's holy love. So that at the end of that, you and I can have faith and get mercy. Hallelujah. And get peace and get healing and get eternal life and get righteousness and get heaven. Hallelujah. My, my, my. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's the one that put him to grief. When you make his soul, it was more than physical. When you made his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now watch this, watch this, verse 11. He, that's God, shall see the labor of his soul, that's Jesus, and be satisfied. Propitiated. But God did this. We didn't propitiate him. In other words, we didn't bribe him. This was love, but love not overlooking sin, but love saying, I will make a propitiation and I'll be satisfied with that. 
That's what it is. This, is. this is what propitiation is. By my knowledge, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, was numbered with the transgressors, bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for the blood. Thank God that the Heavenly Father found a way so He could love us by pouring out what we deserved on His own Son. And Jesus endured that. He completely satisfied the claims of justice. He completely satisfied anything that needed to be corrected. And then He was raised from the dead. Oh my, I think we ought to lift our hands and worship the Lord. We ought to thank God for our propitiation in Christ. Some of you dealing with guilt and shame and condemnation and torment and who knows what all. Just look away from that for a moment and look to the cross. The Lord laid on Him your iniquity. The punishment that was needful so that you could have peace of mind so that you could be delivered, so that you could be saved, so that you could not be depressed all your life, so that you could be free. The punishment needful so you could have peace with God. It all fell on him. <laughs> he took it. He took it. He bore it. He's your propitiation. All God wants you to do is receive that now, if you've never been saved, of course, there's a first time you need to do that. But even after you're saved, we ought to rejoice. Hallelujah. We ought to go back and say, thank you, Father, for your mercy. I receive that. I thank you that pro you're satisfied. I'm satisfied. And I worship you, Father, for what Jesus has done for me. <laughs> Set me free. I receive your peace. I receive healing. I receive deliverance. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm under the blood. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, while we're praying here this morning, you know, there's miracles of mercy. I just had that phrase this morning as I was praying. Lord, let there be miracles of mercy in this place. As you begin to realize, as you begin to by faith, appropriate. Jesus, your propitiation. Jesus, your punishment. God was satisfied with him. And that satisfaction is now it's like it's seeping down into your heart. And where there was darkness and where there was despair, all of a sudden there's joy and there's hope. There's faith rising up. Just enter in and begin to say, yes, Lord. I receive. I believe your report. I'm telling you, I believe right now the anointing of God is breaking strongholds. Things in the past. <laughs> Things that you thought you were going to have to just put up with all your life. No, he put up with them for you. I said he put up with them for you. It's mercy. You say, well, I don't deserve it. Well, <laughs> if it's mercy, you don't deserve it anyway. right? Napoleon one time was uh, having, I guess, a problem with one of his men. Had some dereliction of duty or whatever, it wasn't real serious, but it was serious enough where he was upset and he ordered him executed. And his mom heard about his son, her son being ordered to be executed, so she got a hearing with Napoleon. She said, uh, please spare my son. I asked you for mercy. He said, well, he doesn't deserve mercy. He broke it. She said, that's right. If he deserved mercy, I wouldn't ask for it. Mercy is not getting what you don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting something that you did deserve. And Napoleon said, let him go. She understood. I said she understood what she was asking for. When you ask God for mercy, do you understand what you're saying? You're saying, Lord, I want, I want your mercy because I believe you love me and you put on Jesus this. You need, you, need, you need a miracle today. You need a miracle of mercy. You need salvation. Maybe you, like I was many years ago, a prodigal, soiled your soul, you know, just 
this, just the same thing you can imagine that prodigal, all the junk he went through, the stuff he put God through, the stuff he put his own mind through, his own body through, <clears throat> drinking and carousing and running with women. He was just all messed up. But he went home to the father and the father put a new robe, put new shoes, killed a fatted calf, hallelujah, put a new ring. There was a restoration. There may be some here today, you need that restoration, that spiritual restoration in your life as you come back to God. Maybe you've never come to the Lord. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you say, well, you know, I can just make it on my own or there's going to, you know, there's more ways to God. No, 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 no. There's only one way. If there were many ways, then Jesus' death was a traversity. It, it was, it was uh, unjust, right? If Jesus had to die, for us to be saved and you can get it another way. You understand what I'm saying? But thank God he did. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need a, I'm using that in a broad sense, a miracle of mercy, it could be healing, could be you need to be saved, you wanna come back to the Lord something you're struggling with in your past and you just want, you just want that peace in your heart. You see, you know, he, he, he took it for me. If that's you, if you need that miracle of mercy, I want you just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand. It could be for many things. We're gonna pray a prayer. We're gonna believe God to release the anointing and power of God. You need that miracle of mercy, just raise your hand. I see over there, there's somebody there. I see that lady back there raising your hand. You can put your hand down. Anybody else, you need a miracle of mercy. You need a miracle of mercy. Anybody else, I see your hand. I see several hands raised up. I mean, I don't know what your situation is. I'm sure that all of us have been there. We all needed his mercy, amen. But aren't you glad Jesus is your propitiation? If you've raised your hand, you can put it down. We're gonna pray a prayer. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you need healing in your body. But it's all under his mercy. And we're gonna pray and ask God, as you, as you just exercise faith today, as you just say, yes, here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm coming, you know, Billy Graham used to have that song saying, just as I am without one plea, but your blood was shed for me. That's good for anything. You need healing, you can sing that. You need peace, you can sing that. You need salvation, you can sing that. You need restoration. You can sing, just as I am without one plea, but your blood was shed for me. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. I come, I come. Now let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, Let's all pray it together. Heavenly Father, we come to you through Jesus. There is no other way, but he is the way. We believe he left heaven to come down here to pay a price, to be my propitiation so that you would be satisfied with his death on the cross that you would pour out on him what I deserved. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my place. You bore my sin, my punishment. I believe that. I exercise faith in your precious blood and I ask for a miracle of mercy, salvation, restoration, healing and deliverance, peace from the past, Lord, right now, I ask for mercy. Revive me. Strengthen me. Come into my life. I open the door. In Jesus' name, I claim the power of the blood of Jesus in my life right now. Now let's all just lift our heads and thank him. Let's just thank him right now that we've done our part. He's really already done his part. Now we've made a move to be received and activated by faith. Now let him minister to you. Let his spirit, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. There's people in this room, you've endured shame. But I want you to know that shame is going away. Jesus endured your, he was rejected. He endured that for you. Just receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
to bring a peace where there was shame, to bring a peace, hallelujah, a freedom, a freedom from depression and all those things in the past. There's some people here, you just, you've dealt with that. Well, I just believe right now there's a miracle of mercy as he died for you in his soul, so now he comes in your soul. <laughs> Woo! Did you get that? As he endured in his soul, now you receive in your soul, spirit, soul, and body. Receive a miracle of mercy, hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, we thank you, Lord, praise God. Maybe you were saved, maybe this first time you've ever even asked God for his mercy, but you trust him today. <clears throat> Be sure as you leave, you tell somebody, I'm trusting Jesus today, I'm following Jesus today. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. He'll back you up. Hallelujah. You, if you've been restored, tell somebody, I'm like a prodigal. I've just come home and my Father has restored me. Make sure you, you confess that to someone close to you or somebody in the church, even before you get out the door. Come tell me. Let's praise Him one more time. Let's just lift our hands one more time. <clears throat> Make sure that... Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let worship just be released in this place. Oh, to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. To Christ our propitiation. <laughs> Who settled the account with God. Who satisfied claims of justice. Who satisfied and endured punishment needful to obtain your peace. It fell on him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm very glad Jesus took your place. You know, if you just keep meditating on that, there's just some things, it'll, there's, there's a worship that'll strike your spirit. Amen. Uh, yeah, let's just put it this way. You'll be as satisfied as God is satisfied. And He is. He is. He is. Well, praise the Lord. Tonight, we'll go a different direction. We're going to talk about how to apply the blood. You know, a lot of times we hear people that. What does it mean to plead the blood? You ever heard that expression? What does that mean? Well, come tonight. Find out. Hallelujah. Amen. He's not begging. I promise you that's not what he's talking about. Let's stand up and greet somebody as you're dismissed. You need anything, anything else? Greet somebody and tell them you love Jesus. Praise God. If you, were, if you received a miracle of mercy, just testify to somebody by faith. Just say, I, I got a miracle of mercy today. And you can be dismissed. <laughs>